Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, where I, Kim, welcome oh, back. No, we did that. Welcome back, <laughs> oh, Kim. Thanks, thanks so much. <laughs> I have recovered. So it's Trash or Treasure. Trash or Treasure. Kim and Amy. And as we do each week, we are going to give you reviews and possibly recommendations, spoiler free, mm-hmm. of what we read this week. Okay, Amy. So without further ado, what did we read this week? What we read this week were some of the novels from the Lisa Claypass Wallflowers series. We have throughout time read all four novels from the series, but yeah. just we we didn't Most manage to recently. do four novels in one week. No, that's a bit rich. These the, there are four novels in the series. The first one is Secrets of a Summer Night. The second one is It Happened One Autumn. Mm-hmm. The third one is The Devil in Winter. Yeah, and the fourth is Scandal in Spring. Yeah, there is a fifth novel, but it's actually a novella called A Wallflower Christmas that... Is self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a Christmas gift oh, to fans of the fans. series. So, Kimberly, mm. me having been in charge of remembering who wrote the books and what the books are called, do you want to give the spoiler-free recap? Yeah, I think we should give you a cognitive break. I think you're overloaded. It was pretty tough. It was tough. <laughs> um, okay, so... The spoiler-free recap. So in big sweeping kind of gesture, it is about four girls who are all trying to marry on the marriage mart in London and have all been at it for a little while and so are decidedly and definitely wallflowers. They did not take on the market for different reasons. So each of them kind of have a different reason why they have not yet landed a husband. And they essentially, at the very start of the first book, are all sitting in a ball and sitting sort of bond. against the wall. Yes. But they look pretty, hence wall wallflowers. Flowers. Oh, yeah. I feel like people know what a wallflower is. Okay. Yeah, so they kind of bond over all being wallflowers and discover that they are all kind of interesting and funny people and decide to band together to deliberately help one another, one another, one another, to find husbands. Because they all need to marry, but, for again, for different reasons. And the thing that I think the only extra bit that is important then for the series overview is that it's not set where we would normally – talk about Regency era, and I will have to defer to Amy. I want to say it's late. It's, it's much about later, the like the 1840s. Yeah, so it's very industrial. Early Victorian. Yeah, so we're talking like massive industrial era, which means not only kind of like cool technology things that they talk about, but it was like a it was a coming of a new era, right? So there was all this change to the sense of tradition that went alongside the marriage market and the ton mm. and aristocratic London. So um, we have the we have characters in the series. Two of the girls are American. Yeah. And their father is he sells perfume or soap? Soap. So he's, he's a soap maker. They're very much middle class, but they're incredibly wealthy. Yeah, so that's a big that's a that is I would say the common thread throughout this series is class that that kind of challenging of the class system in mm. that the people with titles the titled nobility are considered just better because they are your betters right in terms of historically in terms of culturally in terms of all of that kind of stuff but they are for the most part all of those titles are incredibly money poor they're cash poor so they need mm. this rising middle class but the rising middle class kind of want or this mercantile class want entry to the exclusive kind of circles that used to be completely 
inaccessible to people who were not titled or born into the gentry. Which is really, that I think is a tension in each book. And in the first one, it's really, really, really patent because the main character in that, the girls will prioritise who has to get married first. Yes. And the first girl's name is Annabelle. And she's like in really, really dire straits financially. Yeah, like as in if she pretty much they're at a point where if she can't marry, like so much so that her kind of barrier to marriage, and again, we find this out very earlier, so it's not a spoiler, but her barrier to getting married or why no one is offered for her, she's stunningly beautiful and still quite young, but everyone knows it's common knowledge that her family are so close to the poorhouse that if she doesn't get an offer and marry this season, she will have to become someone's mistress. Like that's so the why last. Offer? Exactly. <laughs> so they're all just waiting waiting it out and are expecting at the end of the season that one of them will then offer her a comfortable living as his mistress and she will do that and support her family that way. But the hero in that, Simon Hunt, they're all called Simon. This is like the so third many book Simons. we've talked about where yep. the romantic hero is I didn't Simon. realise that until we did this podcast, but there are a lot of Simons. Hmm. We find that interesting. It's not a super common name now, but I bet there'll be a bunch of babies in the next, like, five years called Simon after the Bridgerton Netflix series. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that. I'm still waiting for all the babies called Hermione. I'm hoping for a bunch of Daphnes. I love the name <laughs> Daphne. Sorry, carry on. We digress. <laughs> Simon is an industrialist, so he's in Not just in an trains, industrialist. He's a middle class. He's very middle class. Like, his dad is a butcher. He- Worked up from the working class into yes. the middle class. And he so, – so that's like there's this fascinating class tension that runs through all yep. of it. The second book is – Are we going to do this for all of them? I think we just need to say that is a tension that runs through all of them. Okay. So you finish Annabelle. Right. And then so we'll just say she, who's in each book. Pretty much. So, yeah. yeah. So Simon is – pretty much is disdainful of the upper class because they've always kind of looked down on him. Yeah. Fair enough. But he's invited to all of these parties and things because mostly because a lot of the aristocratic men need his money. And he's so friends he invests, with some of he's them. He's friends with some of them. But he invests a lot of money and helps other people. He's very good. His number one thing he is good at is making money. Mm-hmm. He kind of has always been attracted to her and she's always felt like he's beneath her. And he now it's kind of at this point where she's like very close to falling. And yeah, so they kind of have this cat and mouse thing where it's like he's kind of like, I'll just wait when you become, when you have to become someone's mistress. Like, I'm really attractive and we have chemistry. Be my mistress. And she's like, I'll be no man's mistress. And that's kind of, they go to a house party and that's it. Really, then it's like, insert this, like, you could, dear listener, without reading it, I'm sure you could tell me. You what can happened. finish it. So now I'm going to jump to the second novel. It happened one autumn. I'm not going to give a synopsis, but just say that that's about Lillian, one the older American girl. Yeah. And they each have one, and then there's a then there's another girl who's like kind of meek, and then we Evangeline. Do, yeah, and then we do Lillian's sister for the Daisy. last. Daisy. That's kind of it. And some of them happen a little bit on top of each other, which I always like in these kind of series, is because you get to see. So it's the kind of. I love you. I love you. Happily ever after the end. But it's not the end because you get to see what their marriage kind of continues to look mm, like and what that like dynamic that. looked like over time. And, yeah, you're still in the honeymoon period because it's not like they all happen 10 years after each other. But, yes. It's more like, like one that. book ends 
and another and the book next one has pretty much begins. already begun. Yeah. With, she does that epilogue thing that yes. then introduces the next book. That's it. I feel like that's it. That's all you need to know. All right. Do you want to be asked? Yes. Ask? It's my turn. You talk. Amy. Yes, Kimberly. Would you recommend Lisa Clypass's The Warflower series? Clay pass? Clay pass, not Clay pass. What do you just say? <laughs> what Amy, an would you recommend thing. the wallflowers? Just would, do that. Hey, Amy, would you recommend Lisa Clay Pass's wallflowers? G'day, Kim. I think we should read ourselves some books. I and think do we it should again. stop right now. <laughs> I stopped. Amy, I'm going to ask you, would you recommend the Wallflowers series? I would, but I probably wouldn't recommend necessarily all of them on a reread. So yeah. I've actually, I've read one book in the series, the third one, The Devil in Winter, which has the meet Evie. Evangeline Jenner as the main character. I've read that multiple times, mm. but I've only read um, the summer book with Annabelle once. Annabelle I found to be a bit generic. Lillian is the second book. I really like the hero in Lillian's book. He's in he appears in all of the books actually. Yeah. I really liked him. And he kind of actually gets fleshed out really nicely. He has a lot of depth. Mm. Lillian was so annoying. (laughs) She's like loud and feisty and fiery in her time, so it's like (gasps) She was definitely argumentative. The uh, third book, I'm going to come back to, but the fourth book with Daisy was it was quite sweet, but the memorable it always moments in suffers it, from the she's been young and a bit beige and in the background for so long that it, I didn't have a burning desire to know what happened to her. No, and they try and develop it in the third book, so yeah. give her a little bit of character. Yeah, they do, but it's so. I remember that. It's a little bit shoehorned in. I was reading that chapter and I was like, does this go anywhere? Because I'm fairly sure this never goes anywhere and it, it doesn't. It just reminds you that she's an actual person. Who's going to get her own story. Yeah. But The Devil in Winter I actually really liked because I enjoyed the two characters in it. The, they very, very early on. And is it a spoiler if it's the third in the series? And I say. What? You have to say, I don't know. You have to tell me what the book, the, what you're going to say. Before no, it wouldn't because you could read it on the back. Very beginning, pretty much she walks in and she's driven to desperation and needs to get out of this really oppressive household that you know her, her. You know her household is oppressive in the first book. Okay. Well, she needs to escape that and her. she's decided that the only solution is if she gets married and the guy that she picks, she pretty much walks into his house and says, I know that you are financially desperate. I have, I'm very wealthy. I need to get married. Let's go to get, let's get married. And he's right. Well, it's more than that because her actual impetus is that her dad is dying, which yes. is also not a spoiler because it's literally, she tells him that in the first she two says, pages. He says, why would you do yeah. that? And her dad is dying and her relatives, because her dad is quite lower class. He was he a runs boxer. A gambling den. But he was working class. He was a mm-hmm. boxer before that. So he, they, her family on her mother's side will not allow her to see him. So that's essentially her impetus for like, I need to get married right now. But they begin the book marriage. And then the book yeah. is about them working out what that means because they married and for convenience. Also, becoming better people. So she becomes mm. empowered throughout that book, and I really enjoyed her journey. And she goes from like she was sort of mm, not very interesting in See, the previous books. I and would I disagree that with that to- only because I actually think she was a character that clearly the author really understood 
what she wanted to do with her mm. right from the beginning. Because there are even parts in the first book, in Annabelle's book, where Annabelle sort of looks to Evie when the Americans are coming up with, like, crazy, I think they go and play, mm. like, rounders in their knickers or something. And Annabelle's like, oh, my God, Evie, you're not going to want to do this. And she's like, I'm trying to be more assertive, so... I'm going to say yes. And Annabelle's like, what? Um, I was relying on you to, like, solidarity not do this insane thing. And Evie's like, I'm going to do it. Like, so I feel like by the time where she starts, Lisa Kleiphouse doesn't ignore her for those two books. She doesn't ignore so her, much so that Lillian by the time just overshadows it all for me until yeah, we get rid fair. of Lillian yeah, for a I bit. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. She didn't annoy me as much. Mm. Like, I could just ignore her. She was just, I felt she was really a bit stereotypy, so I was very easy to mm. be like, you're two-dimensional, I can read over you. But yeah, I really enjoyed the way she kind of built almost built up and bolstered Evie's confidence bit by bit by bit. So that then she can so that take when the she does this, you go at the start of that book, you go, I believe you. I yeah. believe yeah, that and you got do. to that point. But I also liked his journey. Yeah, of becoming just a better human. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that book and I've read it multiple times. So So are you saying to kind of give this some kind of recommendation? Are you saying that you would read that that if like, is that the only one you would recommend? I think that you've got to get through the first three to really like, I would. I wouldn't like read the third value. one on its own. No, I think you need to read Secrets of a Summer Night, It Happened One Autumn, to get the full enjoyment out of The Devil in Winter. I, pr- I wouldn't <laughs> so you're bother reading the last one. <laughs> so you're recommending that people read The Devil in Winter, but unfortunately, if you would like to get the full experience, you are required then to read the other two. Correct. Right, okay. But you save yourself the time. You don't need to read the last one because... Fair enough. Eh. Kimberly. <laughs> After all that interrogation. Sorry. Would you recommend that our listeners read The Wallflowers by Lisa Claypass? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I, I know that's kind of underwhelming, but it is kind of underwhelming. Like, it's the first book super annoyed me on reread because it it's one of those ones that I absolutely dislike where it could have all been solved by him going, oh. I think you think I want you to be my mistress, but you know what? I actually like you and we have struck up a friendship and I know that that would be really demeaning for you and that that's not how you saw your life going. So let's, I I actually would marry you. I actually, that's what I want. I want to honor you and marry you because I know that's what you want. No. Not that there's anything wrong with being a mistress, but that's my point. In a regency historical romance. So there was a lot of like, I think they just played around too long for me with the whole she was falling in love with him, but he was just going to wait till her family came to ruin so, so that you he needed could exploit her. Novella, novella, devil in winter, novella, novella. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't. I the second book didn't annoy me as much as it did you. It didn't annoy me, Lillian. I really liked his character. But she... She was very prevalent in the second uh, book. I really enjoyed The Devil in Winter. I did enjoy that. That that didn't have the same problems for me that the first one had because I think what bothered me about the first one is, and I, this comes up a lot whenever we talk about romance novels, and I feel like I didn't know it bothered me until we started the podcast and I was required to analyse how I felt about them all the time. But ones where the girl is in really dire straits that are completely out of her control. Mm. And it's not, we're not talking life and death in the, you know, like, like in the haunting of Maddie Claire kind of way where it's like a ghost is going to kill her. So she, it's just in a heightened moment in her life, but rather 
completely outside of my control. My whole life will come crumbling down, but I could save it if I agree to subjugate myself to this man forever. Those ones for me, I find they've got to work really hard to win me back. Does that make sense? Because I'm like, I don't like that you've put her in such a subservient, submissive. Uh, you don't like it when the power is That power, so... because it's, yeah, because power is so inherent in relationships. I think when you set it up in this place where she is so powerless and this is her only option, and then to have him even remotely joke about, well, I've got you where I want you. Yeah. I, it just creeps me out. I'm like, you can't. As well. Yeah, I'm like, you can't come back from there. Like, I get it. Now you've worked out you love her and she loves you back, and that's really nice. And I hope you live happily ever after. But in terms of what I want from a romance novel, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. And it was very prevalent in the first book. Not so much in the second because Lillian has so much money. What she what she has not going for her is her Americanness, which is why she's having trouble marrying. But in the third book, I really felt like they were equal. Yes. I felt like they both went into it for this for not the same reasons, but for very desperate reasons. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Both of them did. And they chose to take care of each other in that moment. And so I think for me, that's why the third book is my favorite. I'm not gonna lie to you, I've not reread the fourth book since the first time I read it a thousand years ago. I it was I've reread it. it. It has a it has a memorable moment that's that nice. I really enjoyed. And it has it is quite funny at mm. times. You know, like when you feel that the narrative is sort of wrapped up and finished? Yeah. After, after reading The Devil in Winter, I didn't feel that, you know, that sense of but what happens to the – like when we yeah. – the Chance Sister Same. series yeah. and we really wanted to I wanted find to out what, what happened, happened to Daisy. Daisy. Me too. We really wanted yeah. that. So we were like, I was even God, annoyed. Done. I was annoyed <laughs> that we had to get through Jane. I was like, oh, it's going to be two more years at least. We're just going to do Jane. <laughs> Jane hasn't even been released yet. Yeah. So I guess in summary then of my recommendation, yeah. I would actually go probably one step further because that first book really, it almost angered me so much that I was like, I'm not going to bother rereading the third because I hadn't read the third in a long time. But on the back of you being like, no, it's the best one. I skipped the second on reread and read the third. Yeah. I would go so far as to be like, if you if you are a long-term reader of romance novels, which I'm going to assume you are because you're listening to this podcast. Based on what we have told you, you just already have third? enough information to just read the third yeah. book. All right, so I'm happy I would with that. actually just read the third book. If you read the third book and you're like, oh, but you know what? I kind of am in love with this whole thing. Then go back and start it again. It Fine. stands up to a reread. Yeah, the third book is is really fun. Actually, if you thoroughly enjoyed the third book, I would not recommend you start from the start of the series. I would recommend that you read You Know the Name of It, Tell Me and Help Me. I'm it's in another, such suspense. It's, it's the, another Lisa Claypass? It's another Lisa Claypass. And it's got Derek Craven. It's called Dreaming of You. Read Dreaming of You, which I think is heavily referenced. Why am I the only person who remembers it? Yes, it is, because Derek Craven owns the rival gambling club. No, no, he owned it years ago. You're I know, not even but paying it's referenced all the time. It's referenced in... a lot. That's my point. If you enjoy the third book, read Dreaming of You. Dreaming of You. I didn't even remember. You said it two seconds ago. So, Amy, this I'm going to give you this, and you ha- I'm going to be strict. <clears throat> the series is only allowed to go in one box. Okay, fine. Trash. Okay. You? Totally trash. I said they should just listen to this podcast and read the third one and then read a book from a different series. I treasure the third book, The Devil in Winter. Meh. It's it's all right. I I enjoyed refinding it, but it's not like I remembered it enough to be like, you know. Yeah, that's very true. Okay. So, anyways, I always am like, what now? We're finished. Thank you so much for joining us. Sorry, I'm rusty because, you know, Mike. You had a week off. 
So join us again when we will be discussing more, more things we read. Things we read. And until then, happy, happy reading. reading. And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.